Welcome to the Liberia Podcast, European Liberal Forum Project. I'm your host, Ricard Silvestre. And in this month, we're going to associate with the El Secretariat Month of September campaign on the future of mobility. For a first episode on this topic, we are very privileged to have Genevieve Pons. Genevieve is the Director General of, of Europe Jacques Delors Think Tank in Brussels, and this is since 2017. She was also in charge of environmental and climate matters for Mr. Jacques Delors' cabinet during the last two mandates as the President of the European Commission. We talk about the future of mobility in Europe and the importance of having an holistic approach that goes from the regional to the urban and also the importance of education. And after our conversation, I'll be back to tell you about some of the events organized by ELF for the month of September. I'm here with Genevieve Pons. Genevieve, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Ricardo. I'm very, uh, very honored myself to, to, to be able to take part to this podcast podcast, which is a, a very useful one on, on a very important topic. And it's a privilege to have you here. Your CV just uh, talks by itself, and I'm going to put all the information on the podcast show notes, the work you already did and the work you, you're doing right now. And let's start with some ground rules, because I want you to please help our listeners understand some key concepts as we continue our conversation. For example, uh, tell us how to understand a little better what it is mobility, urban mobility, shared mobility. So some of the key concepts for us to understand where we are right now on this topic. I, I just want to underline that uh, mobility is at the center of the necessary transformation of our societies. For the time being, transports, therefore mobility, are at the origin of 25% of CO2 emissions. And we know that uh, the demography uh, worldwide is still growing, and still growing fast, and that uh, a lot of this new population will be urban population. For the time being, in Europe, 60% of the population is living in urban areas of more than 10,000 uh, inhabitants. In 2050, it will be 80%. And this phenomenon is even faster at global level. So we have to face a major source of carbon emissions but at the same time, something that will necessarily grow. Um, mobility is necessary for uh, work reasons, for uh, personal freedom reasons. Uh, for many reasons, we need mobility. But we need a clean mobility. So we have to face both challenges together a growing need of mobility, especially in urban congested areas, and the need to make it cleaner, much cleaner. Uh, in the EU, we have set ourselves the objective of being carbon neutral by 2050. So mobility has to be part of it. 
I'm speaking about carbon dioxide because we all know that it is the main emergency we are facing, but there are many other pollutants. And in that case, in urban areas, 70% of uh, pollutants are coming uh, from mobility. So we are, we are facing many challenges. Mobility is necessary for jobs and growth, and uh, mobility has to be transformed deeply, especially in urban areas for the reasons I have given. Wonderful description, uh, Genevieve. And it is so important for, as you were saying, people are moving more and more to cities and we need that mobility, but we need the clean mobility and, and big cities. And I live in Lisbon and I know you're originally from Paris, but other listeners in other uh, cities in, in Europe will completely identify with this, with this, the, the log jam, the difficulty to circulate, to have this uh, personal freedom and personal mobility, but at the same time to protect the environment. As you think about urban shared mobility, this kind of solutions, how then did this contribute to serve the population and protect the environment? You already touched upon it, but can you go a little more into detail? You, you, you probably know, of course, about uh, circular economy. Uh, in, in, in circular economy, one tries to use uh, as little as possible of scarce resources and to reuse it as much as possible, to recycle it, and, and so on and so forth. So shared mobility has something to do with that. Fastly growing population, especially in urban cities, uh, congested urban cities, it makes absolutely no sense to multiply vehicles. And you see in traffic jams, many vehicles occupied by only their driver. So you have a multitude of uh, trapped vehicles in uh, traffic jams with only one driver. This is the kind of, of stupidity that uh, we must absolutely avoid. So to avoid that, uh, we need uh, especially shared mobility. And this is uh, being developed in many cities. I am not sure for Lisbon, uh, even if I've been uh, there recently, but I, I know it for Paris, of course, and I know it uh, for Brussels. Shared mobility, you have many forms of shared mobility. The, the most popular that uh, has started, I think, in Paris, at least in Europe, uh, is bike sharing. So bike sharing is, uh, is a, a very... Um, a very useful solution and I would say a very pleasant solution, but concerning mostly uh, young urban population. There is also um, the development of um, electric vehicles sharing. So you have uh, the possibility to go at charging points and to use to use uh, a shared uh, electric vehicles. This, this exists notably uh, in Paris, but also it has been developed in, in Brussels. And there are different possibility, uh, different variations around this uh, mode of, uh, of sharing. Uh, what can make people optimistic is that for the young generation, there is no sense in owning a vehicle much more in using it. 
So this shift of uh, philosophy from ownership to use and to sharing use um, is something that is happening in the young urban population in European cities. For the time being, it is not sufficiently developed, but once again, the, this population is showing the way and we can, we can hope that it will, it will grow in many cities uh, in European areas. I'm going to stay here for a minute because of something you said. You were saying that this change of philosophy of looking at mobility and looking also at life goals. I'm, I'm from a generation where having my own car, even if I'm going to drive it all by myself and not share it with anyone, <laughs> this is like a life dream. And you're saying, no, no, this is going to change because people are going to adapt also because they're very sensitive to the environment protection. So getting back to this point that you made, and you have such a large experience in this. Do you think that this challenge then of changing this culture, of having this generational shift, it'll be easier to install? Do you think there'll be a lot of resistance? There are going to be a lot of people that they're still say, no, I want to follow what my dad did. And that was the way that I uh, imagined myself living on a city, or do you think it's going to be faster than we actually think it could be? I have to temperate a bit what I have said about this young urban generation, because uh, what the gilet jaune crisis, yellow jacket crisis, has shown in France is that mobility is a very sensitive matter, uh, especially for more, I would say, more modest people who need their car to commute and for whom the car is representing high post of spending. For these people, the question of cost of mobility is a very sensitive one. Uh, they need a certain commodity of use because they need to take their car every day to travel to their jobs and they need a mobility that does not cost a lot to them. And that is a problem because one way to, to favor the transition to electric mobility is, of course, uh, financial incentives and uh, financial deterrence. So financial incentives are already very present uh, in Europe. In France, for instance, it represents 6,000 euros per electric vehicle. Electric vehicles are still 10,000 euros uh, more expensive than combustion vehicles. But with this support, this financial support, well, there is a, an incentive that allows at least 10% of vehicles to already be electric. The problem comes when you try to discourage the use of combustion vehicles. In that case, you have a high risk of resistance for the most modest part of the population. So this will be probably the biggest challenge to be faced by uh, the EU, by governments, by cities, by regions, how 
to discourage the use of combustion vehicles without creating a new uh, social re re revolt as we, as, we, as we faced it in France. This is really interesting, Genevieve, because, and, and my listeners know this, I follow American social dynamics very closely. And one thing that happened not too long ago was one of the major car companies in America, they come up with a pickup truck that is 100% electric. And a journalist that I follow on MSNBC, she was saying that this could be a game changer because a lot of people in rural areas in the United States they can use a pickup truck that is fully electric because there's a battery associated. And then they can connect the battery at home, they connect the battery at their work site. And I do know that you do a lot of work with electric vehicles, from autonomy to charging and the need to invest in that in Europe. So please go a little bit into that. The, the question of price is the most important one. And 40% of the cost of an electric vehicle is coming from the battery. But the, um, the reduction of the cost of batteries is much quicker than expected. And constructors in Europe foresee to cut the cost of batteries by 40% by 2024. So in only three years. So this really will be a very important step forward. But there are other steps forward which are uh, in the pipeline. Uh, for instance, the question of the speed of charging. It is coming from elsewhere. It is coming from South Korea. South Korea is uh, ahead of this movement. And they are already able to equip their cars with 800 uh, volts uh, chargers, which permit to be much quicker when charging the vehicle. It, it means that the number and size of batteries can diminish because it will be uh, foreseeable to stop many times to charge the vehicle very rapidly. In the case of Tesla, for instance, uh, in 15 minutes of charging, it is already possible to gain 300 kilometers of autonomy. So this is another challenge that is pursued with some advance uh, in uh, South Korea or in the United States. But in Europe, there are also progress being made and there are coalitions of automotive constructors that are working on these um, rapid uh, charging points and um, which are also taking part to the, the development of the relevant infrastructure. So these two obstacles to the development of electric vehicles, first the price, which is mainly the price of batteries, and second, the autonomy, are in the process of being solved. So we can hope that we will go rapidly from the 10% of electric vehicles, which is the case now in Europe, to most of the automotive uh, park being electric by 2050. 
I'm, I'm still thinking about what you mentioned a minute ago regarding what happened in France with the Gilets Jeunes and what happens in other countries where you have to go from rural to urban. So when we think about that difference between areas, the regional area and the more city centered. So and we're going to be talking about education in a minute because I really want your opinion on that. But how do we look at these two different tendencies? In the case of uh, urban mobility, you have the choice. You have multiple choice. Uh, you, you have the possibility to use uh, public transport, especially. You can use uh, uh, bikes, you can, you, you, can, you can use buses and, and so on and so forth. But uh, very often, uh, in, in the case of local areas, you have not the cho this choice. The train will not get you from your house to your job and uh, there are no buses, uh, okay. So you have no other choice than your vehicle. So in the case of local areas, the challenge of shifting from combustion vehicles to electric vehicles will be very high. And one of the possibilities which is now foreseen is the possibility of uh, refitting combustion cars into electric vehicles. It is costly, but it can be achieved with especially public support. And coming back to circular economy, as I said, it represents a very important uh, economy uh, in, term, in terms of, uh, of scarce material, in terms of skill and, and, and so on. So this is one of the, of the possibilities. And of course, it means also that charging points have to be developed also in local areas. Coming back to urban mobility, it's a systemic approach that has to be developed. And I, I listened to the mayor of Brussels a few years ago, and it's really something that you have to look as, uh, as globally, it's global, and you have to look it in a dynamic perspective. So see where people are living, see where people are working, uh, see the way the city is developing, and try to find the right solutions for each of the commuting uh, ways. In the case of uh, local areas, you will have one main solution to find, which is uh, the replacement of combustion vehicles. Also, of course, coming back of uh, train traffic, very often in, uh, in Europe, some train liaisons have been cancelled, suppressed, because of lack of frequentation. And uh, buses also, uh, buses have been suppressed for the same reason. So there will be a mix of solutions, but the main ones will often be the shift from combustion to electric vehicle in good social conditions uh, uh, as the, the crisis of the Gilets Jaunes has, uh, has shown us. So we do have a lot of work ahead of us, and I'm so happy that you are one of the voices uh, telling us where to go. And one thing that is really, really important, and going from the macro to the, mi to the micro, 
it's the education. It's to empower citizens to know more and to take actions. I know you care about this a lot, so please get into the importance of giving this information and, and giving this knowledge to, to people. You may know that I've been part with um, Pascal Lamy of uh, a mission. Mission are something that have been uh, developed in the context of uh, Horizon Europe uh, program uh, by the Commission. It was launched uh, by the preceding Commission and especially by Commissioner Muedas. We were part of the uh, Healthy Ocean and Waters mission. So it's another topic uh, than mobility. But inside this mission, we realize how much education is key. It's education starting uh, at primary school, so kids' education, but it's also education for students and it's also information uh, for citizens, allowing them to participate to the necessary transformation that is needed uh, in, an, in our case uh, to restore our ocean and waters. But in the case that is uh, the subject of our uh, conversation today, uh, it will be the same for mobility. Because when you educate kids, you touch not only kids, but you touch older generations. You touch the parents and you touch the grandparents. And kids will have an influence on the way their family is behaving. So we have to invest in kids' education to help them understand the importance of clean mobility for their future. Wonderful. And we need to do that. And I'm going to put on the show notes how to know more about Horizon Europe and the work done by the Commission and by you on this particular. Uh, Genevieve, as we're getting to the end of our time together, I'm going to thank you so much for spending some time with me. Please tell our listeners how can people get more involved, for example, how they can follow the work by Europe, Jack Delors, Think Tank, and yourself also if you want to give us your digital footprint. So tell our listeners how they can know more about this very important topic. Just a word about Europe Jacques Delors. Europe Jacques Delors is the third uh, Institut Jacques Delors uh, created in Europe. The first one was created by Jacques Delors himself in Paris in 1996 under the name of Notre Europe. Then, in 2014, another one was created in Berlin. And finally, I created the one in Brussels under the name Europe Jacques Delors in 2017. We are working very closely with our sisters' institutes in Paris and Berlin. You can access our website through europejacquesdelors.eu. You will access not only our website, but also the ones of our sisters' institutes' website, and especially in the case that is uh, our subject today, in the case of clean mobility, you can access the uh, Jacques Delors Energy Center uh, site where we have published already few, a few papers about uh, clean mobility 
and about electric vehicles. And you can follow our other topics like uh, uh, restore our ocean and waters or green finance or green deal in general on Europe Jacques Delors website. And, th and that is just another conversation. And maybe I could ask you for your generosity and come back to the podcast one of these days, because talking about the ocean and, and, and the waters and to preserve them and to protect them, that is also very important. But for now, I'm going to uh, say uh, thank you so much for talking to me. You're doing a fantastic job. Europe Jack Delors Think Tank is also doing a fantastic job in this area. I'm going to put all the links for our listeners to go to uh, the website and to know more. But for now, I'm going to thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you very much, Ricardo. And uh, glad to speak to you another time about uh, one of our favorite subjects. Thank you. I'm back, just reminded that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher and if you feel like it, give us a 5-star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. And now for some of the events organized by Elle for this month of September. And we have a very busy Friday the 17th in this month in Brussels, but also online. We have the event Europa Values 2 navigating the rule of law. This will be an opportunity to discuss how the European Commission should handle rule of law related to, in particular, Slovenia, that right now has the presidency of the EU Council. On the same day, we're now moving to Bucharest in Romania. From the 17th to the 19th, we have the Young Leaders Meeting 2021. This is a seminar will bring together liberal youth leaders from across Europe, to discuss the important topics of institutional reforms and the future of Europe. This event is supported by LIMEC, Friedrich Naumann Foundation, Academy of Liberalism, Indizuk B. Majar Zagot Foundation and Stitching EDI. And we finish in Sofia in Bulgaria, where also from the 17th to 19th, in this particular in the Intercontinental Hotel, we have Liberal Leadership Academy 2021 Europe. This is a dedicated academy for training politically oriented and high potential and talented youth. This is a joint project with ELF, Haye von Samaran Foundation, Boris Divkovic Foundation, Studio Centrum Albert Martens, Neos Lab and the Danish Liberal Democracy Programme. Still, to know more about these events and all of them that European Liberal Forum organizes, just go to liberalforum.eu forward slash events. And this is all for now. I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. The Liberal Europe podcast, it's organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament. And the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any use that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum. Yeah.